Remember the dawn of the pandemic, when our lives were filled with nonstop fear and uncertainty? But amidst all the terror and loss, many of us might remember the joy that came from the little web show, Some Good News, produced by John Krasinski. We know it's rough out there, but we could all use some good news of our own from time to time. And that's why the GLG is looking to connect with our listenership by passing the mic to members of our PLN who even now, are finding ongoing joy in their work. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. Welcome back to our Talk Nerdy to Me series. We're really excited to be bringing to the table a handful of guests who are finding joy in their day-to-day practice and are excited to share it with others. And we are very excited to share some of these guests with you. So thanks for joining us. And really, our intention with this series is to simply infuse the world with a little more light and a little more joy into your ears and hopefully make your day, your commute, or whenever you listen a little bit brighter. And so we are so, 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 so flippin' excited tonight to welcome our third guest in this series, the amazing Stephanie Crawford. And one of the reasons, apart from her being as amazing as she is, is she and I have similar roles. We both work for regional offices of education. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being here with us today. You are so welcome, but I can't live up to all that. That's a lot of so's. There were so a lot of so's. I'm sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't contain my laughter for a little bit. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. So, Stephanie, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, even though I amped you up so, so much? So, Any I more would so be much? happy to, because everybody's favorite thing is talking about themselves. So let me do that for a little bit. I am a professional development coordinator for ROE 53, which is right in the center of the state. Now, I always make fun of, lovingly, of the people that are north of I-80 who assume that everything below I-80 is southern Illinois and that there's nothing but cornfields. So I'm just going to give you a little lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I am from central Illinois, which actually is the center of a very long Illinois state. And I live in Peoria, but I work across the river for a few counties. So I get to work with 89 schools. There are 30 districts and they're all very unique, right? So that is one of the joys of the job. And before that, I was an instructional coach for a district K-12. And before that, I was a middle school ELA teacher. And my fun fact, my husband and I own a board game store. There you go. That's all those facts about me. (laughs) Love it. Come for the joy, stay for the geography. Right. (laughs) It's a very important geographical fact. (laughs) So let's go ahead and kick things right off, Stephanie. Our first question, to me, meaning to you, joy (laughs) is what? Oh, you know, I just think joy is, first of all, everywhere, if you are willing to look for it and find it, even in the darkest times, that's my little like Harry Potter reference, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. But I think joy really does come from uh, playing and laughter, like authentic, genuine. You can tell I have a loud laugh. That, that is something I, I actually was on a podcast once and I had laughed several times, obviously, like we've already done here. And I was at a conference 
And that podcast episode had just come out, I don't know, a week before. And I was laughing as I'm walking up the stairs and the person in front of me stops and turns around and was like, you are Stephanie Crawford and I just <laughs> listened to you. That is true. And I'm sorry about my laugh. So I think that joy really does come from authentic laughter, which play brings. And so to me, like that is where you can really center it. And even in the worst days, when it is hard to find anything to be joyful about taking five or 10 minutes to play a game and the laughter that it brings, the connection that it brings is just really, it is joyful. (laughs) It is. And I find that even when I'm having a really, really bad day, I start to get like those loopy giggles, right? Where I just like, I'm laughing about crying, about laughing about crying, and I just feel better afterwards. So I love that you made that connection too. Okay, so the next question we'd like to ask Stephanie is, what is the thing in your work life that brings you the most joy? So I think in my work life, it was a hard move to decide originally to move out of the classroom because I love my students so much. Eighth grade, that is like my wheelhouse. Those kids, I just love them. There is something about them. I don't know. I would take it all day, every day. But I was ready to help teachers. Teaching can be so isolating, right? Even when you're in a building full of teachers, even if you are in a team full of teachers that are doing similar things, it is still isolating because we have so much pressure from other sources and we have such passionate ideas about what's right and what's wrong. And if you are in the middle of self-reflection and changing and looking at bettering your practices and others around you aren't in that same position, it's really isolating, right? It's hard to take that step. It's scary. And you don't know, should I do this? Will there be a payoff? That to me is what the joy is in my job now is I can help teachers who maybe are on the fence, who are a little nervous or who are there, but they need support. They need to know that they can ask a question or that they can brainstorm and that if they make a mistake, I'm a safe place that they can talk to and we can figure out what can we do different next time and that it's okay if you fail on it the first time you do it because we tell our students the same things. So that to me is the joy of my job is really getting to connect with the teachers and having them try things they never thought were possible or that they thought were possible but just didn't think they could pull off. Oftentimes, by the way, that does actually involve bringing play into their classrooms too because it helps them really engage their students in a whole new way. And so, Stephanie, the three of us have had the pleasure of seeing you in person and listening to your sessions as you've presented at conferences that we've been at. And you are just super inspiring. And as you talk about the joy that it brings you and also the joy that you have given so many other teachers as they have been able to learn from you, when you talk about play, what does that look like? And how did you grow your knowledge and skills in helping teachers bring play into their classroom? Well, first of all, I just have to say thank you. That was so sweet makes my night. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's nice knowing that we're able to connect with each other, right, in ways we don't always know. Play for me, I joke, my husband is just a big kid, and his dream was always to open a game store, believe it or not. And it just took us a while to get there, but he always followed in areas that would take him to that path. And we have been married for almost 20 years this December, so I've had a lot of time growing with him as he helped me embrace play. He actually gets, I think, a lot of credit for that because, you know, he encouraged, like, let's sit down and play a game. It can be something as simple as incorporating dice into things, but he gave me that kind of background love and I got to grow with that. And then in the classroom, as adults, we always joke, right? Teachers joke about the PD, maybe roll our eyes about what we have to sit through. 
And I just think as I started becoming more veteran in my classroom, I was like, this is ridiculous that we joke about this. This shouldn't be a joke. What we're supposed to be doing is giving our students what they need to feel engaged and empowered and to really learn and connect with material, not just sitting and listening to us talk. And then teachers need to have that same thing. But it's, it's oftentimes I feel like we turn off the ability to see how they're connected. We separate them. They're in two different boxes. So I just started looking at how I could engage my students more. I was really burnt out. I used to bring games into the classroom occasionally, and I started giving myself permission to do it more often, and I was getting really burnt out, and I actually had told my husband, I think I was in year 10, and I said to him halfway through the year, I don't know that I can do this anymore, and I might need to leave, and I wasn't even sure I could finish the year out, and it just, a whole series of fortuitous events, I ended up in a PD that was talking about using Twitter, which I hated. Um, (laughs) That's so ironic. Yeah, I know. It was the bane of my existence. Like, this is the dumbest social media that's ever existed. I will never use this. And my account sat like doing nothing for a long time. And I went to this PD. I was kind of forced into it. And the name of the PD session was very misleading. Did not have Twitter in it. But that session ended up teaching me really how to use Twitter to grow a PLN and to feel that I'm not alone. And from that, that's when I really discovered how powerful games were in the classroom. And that helped me start taking the games that I was playing at home and my mind would just say, okay, I can use this in the classroom. How do I do that? Like what changes could I make? How could I use this with eighth graders? And then I did the same thing when I moved into instructional coaching and even now in my position as a PD coordinator, how can I incorporate games with my teachers? Because we do all react. We're we're all different types of gamers. There's four different types. You can be a different type of gamer and still have a game experience that speaks to you and makes you engaged and want to be there with the material. Sorry, can you tell I get like super passionate about games? You're like, you've been talking for a long time now. <laughs> that is exactly stop. what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it. Casey, I see taking notes. I'm ready to be like, what I know, are I'm taking yeah. notes because I'm a big giant. So Stephanie, we did do an episode about this time, I think last year called The Games We Play. And of course I was in your position in the sense that I am a gamer as well, a tabletop gamer, but I'm intrigued. What are the four different types of gamers? Like I'm genuinely want to know. <laughs> like personality traits or are they like tabletop computer no 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 it's really about the personality that you bring to your games and I'm not going to be able to of course like remember the four exactly so I have two kids I have a 13 year old and a 16 year old and one of them my 13 year old he's like a griefer and a griefer is the one that's going to go in like right into battle he's going to fight the biggest thing it doesn't matter he's not going to take like the longest time right he's not going to explore everything and you know you've seen some students who are going to be like that too right like they just want to go for it they just want to get in there I always joke, I love board games, but we do play video games too. And we love the Zelda franchise and we play Breath of the Wild. And if you're not familiar with it, it's this open world. You get to explore whatever you want. I'm just going to tell you, I explore everything. So I have not ever gone and finally beaten the final boss because like, I want to get every single mission done before I go and do that final thing. He has beaten it like 15, 20 times because he just runs as fast as he can. He beats everything in his way. He sees what he can do without collecting the weapons, without like beating any of the side things. Those are some of our students too. Those are some of the adults we play with. So you have that person. You also have the people like me that want to collect everything. They want to look at every nook and cranny that's available. You want to beat every side quest. You want to have every piece of material because you want to be able to say, oh, I did that. (laughs) 
And again, like I said, I'm blanking out on our other two types because I always go to those when I'm talking about it. But you can take a quiz to see what type of gamer you are. And it's really fun if you use games with your students in the classroom. It's kind of fun for them to identify what type of gamer they are. And then if you create game experiences in your classroom, you can even have them divide up into like a group that contains one of each to see how they would you know, run a game differently when they're all together, that type of thing. So I failed that quiz because I can't remember all four of those, sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It's, just- it's like adventurer and griefer and explorer, I think. And then I can't remember what the fourth one is. Oh, girl, we're revamping the game at the end here because I want this. <laughs> yeah. So achiever, explorer, socializer, killer. Do those sound familiar? Dang. <laughs> like, I'm serious. What's a killer? Well, they, <laughs> someone I, goes it, in and shreds everybody. Did you Google this? Is that what you I did? I did Google it. So I what did. you've done is you've come up with probably alternate terms that they have for the original names of them. So a killer okay. would be the griefer. So the person okay. who really just runs into battle and is like, I don't care that I'm brand new novice. I've got like a wooden sword. I'm going to kill this level 50 beast. You know, like that's your griefer. That's the griefer is a person who is going to save all of you when you're like me and you like throw a rock from like 100 feet away, hoping that it'll just if you do it consistently enough, it's going to kill it. The griefer is the one who's going to go in and just take care of it for you. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. So Stephanie, you're talking so much about what it does for the classroom and engagement. And just curious to know what that is like from a brain based approach. What do you know about what that does for not only engagement, but cognitive understanding and learning as it applies to the classroom? So there's actually a lot of research to support using games in the classroom, and how it helps connect the material that you're learning with students with longevity, actually keeping those connections a lot like sketchnoting. Some teachers originally think of it as just doodling or drawing, so they don't want to use it. But you have the research that backs up how it really empowers students to own their learning. Games do the same thing. Purists in this, we're going to go into it really quickly because it's important to know. (laughs) Go for it. So purists will hate gamification and they will love game-based learning because technically game-based learning is when you take a game and you use it or adapt it to use in your classroom. So the learning is done through that game. Where gamification, when it started, was seen as you create like a reward system that you use in maybe a year-long theme in your classroom or a unit theme, and that is motivating a student. Now, again, purists will say there is no but and that you can't do anything in the middle. I will say from my own experience and how I have gone through it and my own experiences in the classroom and with adults, is that I like a combination of them. And it absolutely does not mean what gamification is seen as by some. It is not to me any external motivation. It is not like prizes, it's not grades, it's not just another way of behaviorism. Absolutely not. That I agree with. That's doing nothing for you. You're not learning anything. A student is just, it's like a grade grab. A student is still just grabbing at that. But when you use gamification to an intrinsic motivation to, I want to do this quest, they're not getting anything from it. Their grade isn't improving. They're not getting like a special pass to where, uh, for teachers, you know, like it's not like it's a gene day pass or anything. It's just like, it's just the fun of playing the game and the game motivates them to learn more. So really in general, what I say is when you use games in your classroom to connect material that you're learning with your students, 
The research is there to back up that your students will retain the material, they'll have a better understanding of it, and they will continue to take that with them for a longer period of time. And I will say, if you're interested in that, Dr. Lindsay Portnoy has a great book on game-based learning. Now, she is a purist. I will say that. She is a purist. But she has fantastic research that talks about how games really do help students. And it's Game On, Brain On. And now, Michael Matera and John Meehan actually just came out with a new book as well. I believe it's fully engaged. And before they did this, they did a lot of research also into our brains and the power that games have in connecting that learning. And that book is also a great resource. I would highly recommend it because again, it's going to give you ideas, but it connects it with the research. So no, it's not just a whim. We're not just like, oh, let's play all day. Like it's really about the learning and that learning is going to stick with your kids. Casey's going to buy those books before this episode is done being recorded. <laughs> Amazon wish list. Someone's got a birthday coming up. Check. <laughs> so our next question for you, Stephanie, is how would you cope if someone came to you and said, you know, listen, Stephanie, we're hearing from teachers in your professional learning that the games just aren't working for them anymore. We don't want you to move forward with them. Like, how would you cope? Could you cope? Is this a stake in the ground for you in your practice? Well, first of all, that would never be said. So (laughs) (laughs) let's just put it out there. Truly, I mean, I gamified professional development for a K-12 district that I was at before of like 300 teachers. And we had two thirds of faculty participating for the two years that I was there doing that. So it's hard for me to say like that someone would come up to me and say that, right? Like to imagine that because I did it in my classroom and I had a hundred percent student engagement in my classroom with the optional PD. I had two thirds of our staff participating in some way. And then even in my own office, I I do. So my office is small. So it's me and it's my superintendent and the assistant superintendent. And then we have our HR and office assistants and that I will do game breaks where I'm like, you know what? It's been a tough day. It's a lot going on. So let's play Rhino Hero or <laughs> let's play. Uh, there's this mad tea party that's a Disney Alice in Wonderland theme. I know these games that take five or 10 minutes and it's like, we just need to do this. Take this time out. You're going to stand around like your office looking at your computer screen or staring at your phone because you're, you're at a point where you can't do anything else, right? So this game helps you refocus. And my own bosses were a little skeptical at first, you know, like we're going to take a game break. We're not really game people. And my assistant superintendent has bought like every game we've played. (laughs) So to me, it's hard. It is hard to imagine that someone would say like, oh, your teachers are like these games, they're not working. If my educators were saying they're not working, I would obviously I would listen, right? Like I'm going to revamp. I'm going to listen to that feedback because that's what we have to do. Regardless of what we think is working, we have to listen to the feedback. If it was an admin saying, I don't think you should be using these games. I don't think that it's really helpful to teachers. We need to focus on something else. That's when I know like, you know what? Actually, I'm going to push back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to support it with research. I'm going to support it with my experience. And if my own bosses told me I could not use games to support teachers, I would probably have to evaluate whether it was the right place for me. Because honestly, it is a stake in the ground. When I know that it's not just how I feel, that it is really research backed the way that games can empower our students and help our learning. 
yeah, I'm not going to back down from something that actually is working, is proven to work, and that I truly believe in. I took like a roundabout way with that question. Sorry, but... (laughs) And it actually is a really good connection back to your original answer to what is joy. Because if you can't laugh, then what's the point in life, Right. right? Because it is serious work. Education is serious work, but we have to bring the fun. And this is the whole point of this particular series is so that we can remember the positive aspects. We can remember the love for the job because there's so much hard right now. We've got to bring in the play so that there is some joy. Well, and what better way to show our students that there is joy than by bringing it to them too, right? Like by showing them we value it. So like, yeah, I'm going to show you that I value that play can be empowering for your learning and that you can actually learn and grow and smile and laugh at the same time. You don't have to be sitting quietly in your seat writing a five paragraph essay in order to be learning. That's just not what it is anymore. And we have to show our students that that's okay. Like it's all about modeling, right? Like as much as we talk about modeling, we need to tell our students when we make a mistake, we need to be honest and human. This is part of that modeling as well. Yeah, the profile of an academic has got to change. It cannot be seated, facing forward, alone. So if you're familiar with Julie Smith, the media literacy professor, I love her. She is one of my favorite people. We share a Diet Coke obsession, except that I've cut out soda. It's been a difficult thing. I I really love my Diet Coke. I haven't told Julie that yet. So if she listens to this by some chance, now she knows we might be fighting. But she took the ideas of gamification. Her first book was published with Dave Burgess, which is the same place that published Michael Matera's first book on gamification. They actually were some of the earliest authors, and they would talk a bit, and Julie had said that she would like to do some of these principles with her college students to really make learning more engaging for them, too, and she did it, and she said it was amazing the results that she saw when she started putting some of these concepts in place in her college classrooms, because again, like, it doesn't have an age limit. I mean... My goodness, every Tuesday at the store, we have board game night and adults can come and if they, don't, if they don't have anyone to play a game with, they just show up and we play games and they do that for two hours. And then if they have time, we go to, there's a pub up the road that has partnered with us that's from 8.30 to 11 on Tuesday nights, come up and play games. Adults are using games as well. Why are we relegating play to kindergartners? It makes absolutely no sense. Sorry, again, that's like my soapbox, right? <laughs> Jenny's like, note to self, do not bring this up. <laughs> no, this is actually a note to self. This is why we brought Stephanie. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. So you've actually spoken to this a couple of times by mentioning the game breaks and some of the ways you've used gaming with your students. But what are some other things that you've done to make play-based learning and game-based learning and gamification part of your routine, your day-to-day part of work? It's hard to say that it's day-to-day in my position right now, except that people know that they can reach out to me at any time about incorporating play because I've made myself available as like that resource. But I regularly present at conferences. So a lot of the proposals I send in, I try to go to a variety of places. Like I love IdeaCon, the Association of Middle-Level Educators, the AMLE annual conference is, I think, one of the best conferences I've ever attended. I go to it every year, even though I don't teach middle school now. It is just an amazing conference. So I try to go to places like that. We've talked to ISTE about it before. I try to make it accessible to audiences who are out there and maybe are still kind of catching up to play. So I will go and teach about how to adapt games. I do that in my own region. In fact, 
I just went to a women in education leadership conference and did a session on adapting games for your staff or your classroom. And I had a principal reach out and say, like, can you come in and show my high school teachers how to do that? So it's like those things, being really open about your journey. No matter what job we have in education, it really is about the relationships you form and the honesty you have that you bring to it. So if I just was quiet about how passionate I am about games and it's like, oh, they'll find me. I think that would be doing a disservice because why would I be quiet about it if I really believed in it? You have to be honest about your experiences. So I'm honest about when it's failed or when I needed to revamp it. And then I have a vlog and I've been really bad. My Here's my, my, my downer moment. My dad died at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was like the day before we went into lockdown and he lost his battle with cancer. So I had been putting out really about an episode Oh, I think every other week I had like a schedule down and that happened. It really threw me for a loop right between that and then the pandemic itself. And so I put out a couple since then. So I haven't been updating it as regularly as I normally do, but I have a lot of episodes on my vlog too that are like, try this idea. If you want to do a game in your classroom, try doing this. And I always try to give like a digital way to do it. I try to give other examples for different content areas and different grade levels And I put out a weekly newsletter for anyone. So anyone can subscribe to it and can view it. And I try to put in game ideas in there too, to show how games are connected with learning. So it's not like fully dedicated to that, but I always like slip things in when I can too. So I try, however I can, to really speak to the idea and live through the idea. Like I carry dice in my purse at all times. (laughs) (laughs) And whenever I go to a conference, I carry games with me. So like people know if I'm at a conference with you, like you can find me and let's play games. Like I have them. I I mean, I carry a game in my purse. (laughs) So that's what it is. That's how you make friends with people too. Right. And I'm an introvert. So that's very uncomfortable for me, but I have found that playing a game with someone actually makes that experience much more palatable because we're having a shared experience and we can go to that game if we need to, you know, that type of thing. Stephanie, that answer was so awesome. It even totally blew out my next question out of the water because (laughs) that one was, how do you share the joy with others? But I'm going to pull an audible a little bit here and see if I can tweak it a little bit because what got me thinking is, is you're sharing this joy. You're talking about all of the professional aspects of how you put that into your routine. And you've touched on a little bit about your shop. And before we started recording for our listeners, (laughs) Stephanie was already helping me for our family. (laughs) And she was telling me about this glitter luck unicorn that's in your shop puzzle, mm-hmm. I should say, mm-hmm. for my three-year-old. Do you happen to sell anything online so I can buy that? Or I'm driving myself down to middle of Illinois to find this puzzle. <laughs> so how do you share the joy of all those games that you mentioned from your shop or just with others personally? Because you touched a lot on the professional end. I promise I'm going to answer your question fully. But one of the things that I love about that, it makes me think of too, is that There is a real joy for me in being able to recommend games to people because unlike going to Target or Barnes & Noble or Amazon, I do love games and I'm going to talk to you about the games and I'm going to ask you how long do you want to play and how young is your youngest player and what type of games do you already like playing or do you not think you like games? And if you tell me you like Monopoly, I'm going to try not to judge you, but I'm also (laughs) going to... tell you to maybe find a different game. Like, let's find a different game and you'll never play Monopoly again. So like... I find a lot of joy in giving game recommendations and especially to people who think they're not game people. So I was at a conference in December 
And as some of the people from my region were there and there was a principal from a school. And I, of course, like I said, I bring games everywhere. And my bosses already knew this because they've already been with me for a couple years. So I brought some games down and we were going to play. And this principal had said, so do people really come in and buy games when they could just go to Amazon? And I think I had a look like, um, did you really just say that to me? <laughs> I twitch. Read I the twitch. room. Right. And I said, basically what I just said to you, yes, because we're passionate about the games and we can make recommendations. And I'm going to tell you, I hadn't brought the games down at this point yet. So he had said this to me, we were all talking and I said, you know what? I've got two games that I think you'd love. And he said, you really think you can recommend a game for me? Yep, I really do. So I asked him the questions and I said, I think you would really love Rhino Hero and I've got it here and we can play it. And I said, and on top of that, there's another game I'm going to bring down that I think you'll love too. It's called Just One. We'll play that also. He was skeptical. We played him. He came in the day he got back from the conference and he bought both games from my husband. (sighs) And he told him, like, I play these games with your wife. So, like, people who don't think they like games, that is awesome to be able to make those recommendations. So, there's a couple things. Like, we do have a website. It's Cabbages and Kings Games. But I am responsible for upkeeping that. My husband jokes that he thinks that gremlins run the computer. (laughs) So I think that's his excuse to let me do all this stuff. But (laughs) what our website will say is like, not all of our stock is on there. So if you have a question about something, reach out, you can email us and we will respond to you. And if we have what you're looking for, we can make a recommendation, then you can purchase it through us without being on our website. The other thing is that I do a lot of social media posts on Facebook. So we have a Facebook page for Cabbages and Kings Games. And I try to do a lot of posts on there that actually showcase when we get new games into the store. So like stock that we have in, but also actually showcase a game that might be helpful to someone who is looking and doesn't know. So we just started actually a featured game of the week where this week was point salad. Because to me, again, right, relationships, our customers, our family, we talk about how we appreciate them. Our Facebook page is cultivated to be that too. So when my son broke his clavicle in wrestling practice and we had to close the store because he had to go in for surgery, like I shared that with our customers because that's the relationship that we've built. And I know that, again, it's the honesty between us. So I go in and I shared the story about Point Salad, like how we came to have this game and why I like it, took some pictures of it. And then we said, you can come in and play it. If you have time and you want to come in and actually see it in action, that's fine. If you want to come in and just buy a copy, you can do that. If you just want to come in and see what it looks like, you can do that too. And we sold copies during the week because of that post where people came in and said, I saw the Facebook post. I want to try that game. And now there are comments on the post. One just came in that my husband came in and bought this on Friday and we've played it several times and we love it. Those are ways that I'm trying to connect with people that I don't see every day, right? That may not know and try to bring some of that joy into their lives as well. So see, I told you I would answer it, but it took me a while to get there. (laughs) It was awesome. It was awesome. As an introvert, you are a natural born storyteller. So just wanted to let you know that too. I'm just blowing you up, girl. I'm just blowing you up. I know. I'm I'm just loving this. (laughs) And, And it reminds me of in a previous life, Emily was a librarian and Friends of mine are librarians, library media centers, and kids would say to them, I don't like to read. Well, you just haven't found a book you like yet. Mm -hmm. And that's when it comes to gamers. You just haven't found the right game for you at the right time for you yet. And Emily, one of my very best friends is a former librarian, and I just applaud all the work that you did as a librarian because that's huge, and we need librarians who are invested in that process. Not 
library aides, as helpful as they are, they're great. And we oh, can't, can't run spaces right without help. But they're not librarians, too. You need a dedicated librarian. A hundred percent. You are speaking my love language <laughs> right now. Also, I totally could have used some of those games when I was in library school. I'm like, man, that would have been fun when I was in media literacy classes to play some games. <laughs> that really would have spiced things up a little bit. <laughs> Infusing games into your library makerspace. Stephanie, it sounds like I have to talk to you about a class. (laughs) You know where to find me. (laughs) Oh, I do. I do. (laughs) Then we just have a couple of little lighter questions. What's something that other people may find boring, but totally fills you up and re-energizes you? Well, I'm sorry I'm laughing. My husband sometimes tells me I'm like 90. I like knitting. (laughs) And I also like, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I do love documentaries. But outside of that, I watch reruns of Murder, She Wrote and (laughs) Golden Girls. (laughs) I think you're the central Illinois version of me. (laughs) So I've got those. I just passed three years recently of doing intentional movement every day. So like yoga or walking or whatever. And I always say it's not at all about weight loss. It's about mental health and giving that meditative time. Sometimes people, when you say boring, maybe they think it's pointless or like they don't have the time for it. And I've found that by putting that time in, I am just really able to be more centered and find more joy because I have taken 30 minutes. And I always tell myself it's just 30 minutes. And my kids have become incorporated in it and sometimes my husband and I will go for like a walk in the morning I'm not a morning person so (laughs) sometimes that's hard but it's those type of things so I guess even reading like some people hate reading right but I could sit and read all day in fact lockdown was not difficult for me because I had board games and I had books (laughs) and I had yarn for knitting and I had streaming services for my really old shows so honestly I was living my best life. Oh, and Legos. I love building with Legos. You might be able to see, you know, it doesn't translate into what we hear, but you ladies can see. Oh, no, we'll take a photo um, before we get off tonight. Diagon Alley behind me, so. Amazing. I'm only laughing because you kind of touched on each one of us. You're like, oh, you get Casey with the knitting and the old TV shows, and then you hit Jenny with the intentional movement, and then you get into the reading for hours, and that's my life. (laughs) Shoot, man. Did you do your homework? I think we found our fourth member. (laughs) This has really been secret auditions for the Grounded Learners Guild. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, are we ready for a game? Yes. Sort of yes. Punch punch How could we not? All right. We yes, we have to. <laughs> I know. First of all, I'm because you're nervous. here. I'm going to be honest. We always play games at the end of episodes. <laughs> I love it. So the first one we will all play. And by all, I mean everyone but me, because I know all the answers to these. The first one is just a high or a low. According to the website I read this morning, which I did verify, is this statistic too high or too low? So one in four American households has a Scrabble set. High or low? I'm going to say low. Low. I'm saying low. One in three. It is one in three. Ooh, one in three. (laughs) Nice. Here we go. (laughs) Now, we usually play these games like whose line is it anyway, Stephanie? So we just randomly decide who gets points and wins. So who had the best game? Yeah. Okay. But remember that to me, the game isn't about winning. It's about the experience. (laughs) 
Mike. I feel drop. like if if points were going to yeah. be awarded, though, I feel like Emily gets it for giving an actual stat there. Uh, right? yeah. She gets 12 12 sided dice. So good job. Right. Good job, Emily. 144 dots. Keep them in Let's all go. Your no. <laughs> okay, so this game, Stephanie, I believe you will know the answer to this one. This next question is specifically for Emily and Jenny. I hope you didn't Google it. Oh, no. <laughs> so there is a game that you trade resources oh, like I wood know it. or brick, wool, grain, and gold in order to be able to build a city. I have found this game ruins friendships. (laughs) True story. True story. I go to Stephanie's store and want to buy this game. What do I say I'm looking for? What is the actual title of this game? Have I ever heard it? Like, is it one of those things that I've probably heard? This is making me think this is the one from the story that you told at the end of the games episode, Casey, where you got mad. (laughs) (laughs) It almost ruined your relationship. Yes. (laughs) Like the story is ringing a bell, but not the game. Oh, shoot. Can I go back and listen to episode, what was it, like eight? (laughs) (laughs) So if you would have asked me before this morning what the game was, I would have said Settlers of Catan. Yeah, that's you the said game. that's what you've called it. Settlers of Catan. No, Stephanie's shaking It her is head. not the title. It is not oh. the title of the game anymore. Really? The title of the game is now Catan. And actually, it is Catan. Catan? <laughs> Everybody's wrong. Oh. How does one spell? Thank you. It's C-A-T-A-N. Catan. So. Catan. Yes. Oh, that just sounds wrong to my Consider <laughs> It's considered a gateway game for mm-hmm. people who aren't sure that they're gamers to get into a heavier game and it's been around for a long time however i don't love it (laughs) i prefer carcassonne for the same type of thing and i also really like a brand new game that came out a few months ago called seven wonders architects that can be learned in five minutes played in 25 for two to seven people it is excellent Dang, the way you rattle off games like That's a amazing. chef and ingredients to a recipe. It's like, yeah. you don't even have to think. And I'm going to have to pick well, your brain off air. I got to get my yeah. kids playing some games that aren't on the screen. I'm going to go into this anyway. I don't care for the original Carcassonne. I like the baby one that I played with oh. my three-year-old. The, yes, it's like my first Carcassonne or my, something like that. Yeah, The little child on the map really helps me. <laughs> then you know what you should try is you should try Isle of Sky. It's S-K-Y-E. Have you ever done that one? No. It's great. I love that one. Another one of mine and my husband's favorite, I'm sorry, girls, is... Um, <laughs> Emily, I can talk books with you, too. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I'm going to get a game out of this at some point. Prior to children, we were big lords of Waterdeep. That was our big Dungeons and Dragons. And we would always say, dearest, it is now time for lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> I love it. This episode is really living up to its series name of Talk Nerdy to me. Like, live it, own it, love it. I know. Let's go there. I have to say, in the defense of the Talk Nerdy to me, in fact, I was just having this conversation today because that's who I am. So Dungeons and Dragons has been around for a long time, right? And it 
obviously has a stereotype associated with it and that if you're an adult playing it you must be like in your 40s living in your parents basement (laughs) right that type of thing but it is actually it's gained so much renewal because stars like joe mangliano oh yeah mangliano that's how you say it right like he is a huge D &D fan you know who i'm talking about the guy from true blood Um, right yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I love that you know that. Yep. Yep. Uh-huh. You are exactly right. Yeah. Of course. You seed, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, our students are starting to really get into it more, too. And so, at IdeaCon, Dan and I go up. Dan is my husband. So, Dan and I go up there. I actually got to design the Game On space in the expo hall this year and make a, like a gaming experience. And one of the things we decided to offer was a social event at night, a limited, like 10 seats. You could sign up to play in a D&D campaign. And the whole point was that if you've never played in it, this is your chance to like blow away your stereotypes, right? And your preconceived ideas and see what your students actually are invested in and what they like. And then you can talk to them. Every single one of the people in there. Now, by the way, some of them were kind of coerced, like they were not sure they really wanted to do it. Like it's a little too nerdy for them. Like that's kind of the, every single one of them, it was supposed to be a two hour campaign. They stayed there for four hours and that was like almost midnight, I think when it was over and each one of them said, we need to do this again next year. So even the things that we sometimes say are too nerdy, it's just because we have the stigma attached to them about what mainstream society says is like acceptable for us to want to do as adults what we should do as adults no you should do what makes you happy in this case like if the game brings you joy then you should play it so there you go that's just my little aside about your lords of water i love that so much (laughs) (laughs) dearest yeah yeah we were also the couple that went to run fairs and dressed up so i'm totally leaning into that i don't even yeah you found the right group stephanie yep Yeah, I'm so glad that you invited me on. Thank you. This has been so fun. So you shared your website, any other social media places where people can find you, connect more with you? I do love Twitter. So I'm Mrs. Seaford underscore tweets. I am active on Twitter. So you can always send me a message and connect with me that way. And then I do have the vlog on YouTube, which is Mrs. Seaford vlogs, you know, theming, right? Make it easy to find. And then I have a blog as well, which is Mrs. Seaford blogs. (laughs) Making sure you can find it. I do Facebook jumping in with Stephanie Crawford. And I do Instagram at passionateedu. I promise I'm not on all these things all the time. It's just different ways that people connect. I am not one who's like marketing myself all the time. I just have these spaces and I share things. I feel like people have different ways that they like to reach out, right? So this makes it accessible. If someone has a question and they don't use Twitter, but they're on Instagram, they can reach out to me. Same thing with Facebook. It's more like, I just want to be there if you have questions. (laughs) I want to help you if you need help. So well put. So thanks again for joining us, Stephanie, and looking ahead to our next and final episode of Talk Nerdy to Me series. We are inviting a guest who is very near and dear to my heart and my personal practice. Please join us. And that's it for this episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Many thanks to you for choosing to engage with our guild's content as we passionately continue to advocate for adult learners with transparent conversations about the world of education, impactful leadership, and the power of high-functioning teaming. If you'd like to connect with the Guild, the power of the PLN continues. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, and on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie.
using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool that allows us to be responsive to the topics that matter to you most. If you haven't yet already, or if you're finding us for the first time, how about leaving us a review? It helps us to improve our work, allows us to bring you quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.